If you are a first time viewer of my content and of this podcast, be sure that you follow me at the Omnius Rone. If you're listening to this on Spotify, make sure you follow and you get notifications. Make sure you turn on the notifications so you can get modified to whenever I upload and post a podcast episode. If you're listening to me on Apple, however you're listening to me on Apple, <laughs> uh, make sure you follow me on there. Keep me notified on there as well. If you are a fan of my particular type of content and you don't know where to find me, you can find me at The Omnius Rone on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All right, so make sure you keep me updated on all those platforms. Today, we are going to be talking about my particular journey from Christianity to Omniism. All right, let me fix my mic real quick. Alright, hopefully you can hear me. So I don't even want to make this a very long story, you know what I'm saying? But it, it's it's a long story short. <laughs> um, I don't want to get into every detail of my life concerning Christianity. Um, but I will give you a backstory on me, personally. I was raised up in a strict, I mean, it wasn't too strict, but I will say that both sides of my family were very fervent. In their religion. Alright. Growing up. My father. Went to church every Sunday. Was in the choir. My mother. Used to be in the choir. When she was little. She was raised up in a. Christian household. Just like her. Parents were raised up in. Christian households. They're all Baptist. Same thing on my father's side. They're Baptist as well. Both of my grandfathers. On both sides. And both of my grandparents. All right, grandmothers were leaders of the deacon board, deaconess board, whatever you call that. <laughs> my both of my grandfathers were leaders of the of the deacon board. Both of my grandmothers were leaders of the deaconesses. However that goes. Before that, my grandmother on my mom's side was on the usher board at this particular church called Zion Rock. Um my father goes to a church that he's been going to since he was little, you know. So with all that going on, he still goes there. He still chooses to go there. And my mother uh, used to go to, to this church with my grandparents or his or her parents. And the church that she went to was led by these particular people that are like family friends to them. Because my, my grandmother used to be a usher 
or the leader of the usher board if I'm not getting that mistaken or whatever the case is but she was a usher for the pastor that is a part of the church that my mother's a part of now and when he decided to separate from Zion he decided to create his own church and with that all in mind she became the leader of the deaconesses and my grandfather on my mom's side became the leader of the deacon uh, the deacon board don't know too much history on how my father's father became the leader of the deacon board but I do know a good bit of history on my mother's side more so than my dad's side but anyways moving on um, so I was raised up in that environment I had a great childhood couldn't ask for a better set of parents and grandparents um, and even my great granny couldn't ask for a better family um, than the one that I had uh, or have <laughs> uh, I was raised in a great household I had a father figure and a mother figure and they're still together even today um, if I'm not mistaken their 25th anniversary just passed a couple of years ago actually no 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 if I'm not mistaken it it just passed didn't it they got married in 1995 yeah yeah it just passed uh, 2020 it was their 25th anniversary so they've been together through their ups and downs whatever the case is so with all that in mind I was born four years later 1999 February 12th and I was a Jesus boy you know <laughs> when and my parents you know they went to church every Sunday like I said my mother would go to church every Sunday with my grandparents and every Sunday first Sunday second Sunday third Sunday fourth Sunday even sometimes fifth Sunday they would be up there uh, my my grandfather grandmother be sitting up there with, with the deacons and the deaconesses um, sometimes my grandmother would sit with my mother um, mostly it would just be the deacons that would sit up front because that's just how it was um, and whenever it'd be like first Sunday my, my grandmother would sit up there with with the deaconesses the deaconesses would sit behind the deacons um, the deacons and the deaconesses would stand when the pastor would come uh, come out and uh, he'll walk with his armor bearer I remember like you know just just seeing this growing up and stuff like that and you know I, w I had the type of pastor where he would wear the robes you know when he would preach he's one of those old-fashioned Baptist preachers that wear the robes and it, it wasn't it wasn't all high fashion type of robes, but like they, they were he was profiling you know what I'm saying? Be, <laughs> he would be profiling. So it, it got to a point where I wanted to imitate that. You know, I had, I've always had a passion to teach. And, you know, for people who really know me, you see that in the content that I make. I've always had a passion to teach. So when I saw this man, you know, this pastor, you know, doing this, that, and the third and being hyped, I would imitate that behavior. Go go home, get a robe, uh, <laughs> get my own little rag or whatever the case is. Get get my microphone, and just go around preaching. 
right? Come back home. I even make my own little communion board, uh, communion table, whatever the case is. And and that's that's how it will be. Get get some chips or some crackers. And uh <laughs> and, and that's just how it would go. You know, I remember one time even when we didn't have church, uh my great granny, I went to my great granny house and I had made communion for my whole family, you know. It that's how that's how deep I was into it even growing up. Um I still have my uh notebook from when I was like seven, eight, nine, you know, taking notes of uh the reverends and the, the uh deacons even sometimes. Uh but most likely the ministers and the pastors, um and co pastor who was his wife, you know, just taking notes and I look back at it and, you know, I will put it together and I'll put it in a certain way where I could understand it. I will put it together in a way, um, the title or the theme of the, the message, I'll put that and I will just write down certain points that they will bring out and talk about and stuff like that. That's how deep I was into it. Read my Bible, any chance that I could get. And as I got older, um, going into middle school, I was really deep into it, right? There, there was a point in my life, and I remember this like it was yesterday. I was 12 years old, and I was going through a little agnostic phase, right? I wanted proof that God was real, you know? I, you know, I didn't want to question God's existence because I was just like, you know, I'm not saying that God doesn't exist or that there isn't a high power because look how everything came about in this, that, and the third. But I was just like, how how do I know that this particular deity exists, you know? So, somehow I came to the epiphany that, you know, I didn't need the evidence that I was looking for, if that made sense. You know what I'm saying? I wanted, I wanted Jesus or God to appear to me, you know what I'm saying? I, w- I would pray, and I'd be like, if you're real, show yourself to me. If you're real, do this, that, and the third. And I guess I heard this one pastor talk about how, you know, God's not going to reveal himself to you that way um, because this, that, and the third, right? That it would would just be ignorant for you to try and ask of God to give you evidence of his existence when everything around you uh, is basically pointing to his existence. So, I somehow had this epiphany. And I was highly motivated to create my own ministry at the age of 12. And I even got even more motivated. Um, and I was in the se- uh, seventh grade. I remember this. Uh, I got even more motivated because there's there's a passage in the Bible where when Jesus was 12 years old, he tells his mother and father that I have to be about my father's business. Um, and so for me being 12 years old and starting my own ministry, I took that and I ran with it, you know. So for two years, I had a ministry on this website called Logster. And I was called Tyrus Backwards. I was S-U-R-Y-T. And I had, yo, when I tell you I went at it, you know, I did whatever I could to push my message out there. And I had people mad. People on Logster were mad at me. Uh <laughs> Because of the messages I would put out there. Sometimes I will put messages out there. Be like Jesus loves you. 
Um, other times I put up messages out there that would just concern LGBT and you need to turn away from supporting gay marriage, all this type of stuff. It, it, yo, whenever I put that out there, then people would be mad. I'm talking about my, my, my platform would blow up, you know, and I was, I was going at it. You know what I'm saying? I, I had a good thing going, um, until the ninth grade. Uh, and this is where we're going to get <laughs> a bit personal, um, and this being episode 30, you know, I might as well go out with a bang. Uh, two years, you know, I was doing this ministry from the 7th grade to the ninth grade. And the reason why I stopped my ministry in the ninth grade was because in 2014, I lost both my grandmothers. Now, I never, I never really opened up about this and I really told anybody like, oh, yeah, I, ain't, I don't have grandmothers. You know, um, <laughs> but I, I lost both my grandmothers in 2014. It was crazy. Um, my first grandmother that I lost was on my dad's side. I wasn't really close to her like that. I can pretty much count on my hands how many times I have visited her at her house. Um, as, as for at least as far as I can remember. Um, but yeah, I, I lost my first grandmother. In, I want to say March. I want to say it was somewhere around March. Uh, and I remember we had the, the funeral services. My cousins came over. We were having a good time and stuff like that. Um, it didn't hit me like it did with my second grandmother. And we're going to get to that in a second. Um, but when my first grandmother died, I, I remember the day before she died, we was over at her house and my father was helping her eat or whatever the case is uh i was watching monday night raw and it was the shield versus whatever team it was whatever the case is and i remember the next day my, my parent my mother told uh, me and my brother that you know our grandmother passed away um and you know we were just like oh dang you know i mean we knew based on the condition that she was in that was going to happen eventually um but you know, I didn't think it was going to happen so soon, like, right after we left the house, like, within, what, 12 hours, if even that. But anyways, so, that happened, funeral happened, all that type of stuff. Um, one thing, I've never seen my father cry, and even to this day, I've never seen my father cry. Um, when the funeral happened, I was at the funeral and all this type of stuff, I never... I was too scared to even look to my left and see if my father was crying or not because I'd never seen that type of side from my dad. Um, and I wanted I want to keep it that way because I'm not saying that men who don't cry are a strong figure, but that's just how I've seen my father. Like he's he's a stronghold, you know, is it's like something nothing can can't move him. That's just how he is. Uh, you know, all his other brothers crying, sisters crying, stuff like that. I didn't see my, I didn't see that from my father. You know, and that's just, that's just something that I see from my father. Like, you know, we watching scary movies. It, it could be the scariest thing and he would not be phased. Somebody could have their head slit cut off and like he just would not be phased. Like, 
it's just <laughs> he's a stronghold. That's that's how I've been raised up to see my father. So to see something to see something otherwise would just be mind boggling, you know. Um, and the day that happens, I may have to do a podcast episode on that, you know. Um, but moving on, a few months after that, my second grandmother passed, you know, and this is the one that hit me. I mean, it just hit me. I don't know if you could hear it, but it just like, boom, it, <laughs> it hit me like like a like a ton of rocks if that's even a, a right figure of speech to use but yo i fell <laughs> i fell completely the hell off um i never forget my my grandmother was going in for surgery and it was me my cousin jay my brother my mom my dad uncles all this type of stuff you know, and we over here talking to my grandmother before she goes into the hospital the next day for her surgery. And this was like on a Thursday, I believe. And when, you know, it, we, me and my, my cousin Jay, we didn't think nothing of it. He's on his phone. I'm watching TV. We, we didn't think nothing of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, she's had surgery before. She's been in the hospital before. Just going to go in there, get surgery, and then come back out. So the next day, she goes in for surgery, whatever the case is. Um, now, certain things that are still left out, at least for me, uh, which I, I really don't like. Like Certain information is left out concerning the things that, that have happened with my grandmother. Um, I guess because we were kids or whatever the case is. So they, they didn't tell us what was really going on as time went on. Uh, she went through her surgery. Something happened uh, where they were putting something into her body and her body started to shut down. Right. Um, and, you know, later on, after the passing, you know, after finding out this information, I'm thinking in my head, well, well can't we sue? You know, I come to find out my father asked the same question, but something happened to where uh, it wouldn't be a case that we could try and come back or fight or whatever case is. Like, I don't, I don't really know the whole situation like that, but something was going on in her body after the surgery. Surgery went well, everything like that. Uh, something went on to where they put something in her body to where her body started to shut down uh, and she was in this coma like I don't know what you call it I guess he was like in this sleep like in this coma like trance so I don't know what you call it <laughs> but she was like uh, uh, Sunday it was a Sunday after church my uncle uh, you know came up I remember it was, me, it was me my mother my brother and my uncle which is my, my mother's big brother not biggest brother but he's like right there uh he's the middle child uh he drives up to our car uh because my granddad you know he was with my grandmother uh he drives up to our car and, and tells us the status of my grandmother um he kind of sugarcoated it because me and my brother was there um 
I noticed my my uncle was trying to keep it together, uh, prevent himself from crying. So I knew that wasn't good. Uh, you know, he tried to lighten up and be like, "But God, God's gonna handle this. He's gonna be all right. He's gonna come out of the hospital, be great, and this and the third. Um, when we went to the hospital that Sunday, uh, I couldn't bear to see that. <laughs> you know, like it was it was ridiculous because. I never seen I never seen my grandmother who I considered my second mother to be put in that type of state. Um it was I don't know if you would use traumatizing, but like it, it's not a it's not something that I would want any fourteen year old, fifteen year old boy to go through. Um it's just not it's not something I would ever like I'm I'm there in the room. She's in the ER and my mom, you know, going through her hair, uh talking to her, this, that, and the third. I'm looking at her like she's like she's fucking crazy. She gonna talk to me talking about you don't wanna touch her hand, you don't wanna say her why would I you know, I'm just like uh, is this something y'all y'all not telling me? <laughs> it's like it's like they're not gonna tell it's like they're not telling me that I might lose my grandmother tomorrow. Like, it's like, they're not even going to, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I guess I understand that because I was 15, you know? But like, what, what am I going to touch her hair and, 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 you know, touch her hair? What, that's not going to do me any good if I can't talk to her. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, after that, I went to my room, y'all. When I tell you I went to my room after I left the hospital, went to my room, praying in tongues, quoting scriptures, praying for hours, nigga. I'm talking about late at night. I'm talking about yelling. Like, I'm quoting, by her stripe, by your stripes, she's healed. Uh, <laughs> I have power and authority to, to cast out all these diseases and sicknesses trying to take over my grandmother's body. She shall be healed. She shall be redeemed. All this type of stuff, right? Hours speaking in tongues. Hours quoting scripture. Hours uh, pro, uh, professing and, and confessing all the, the the manifestations of healing and this that. And this. I'm talking about for hours. We ain't talking about some thirty, twenty, thirty minutes. I'm talking about hours. Hours passed. Took a break. Go went back in. Hours. So. The next day, a Monday, go to school, come back from school. I asked my mother, how's grandma doing? She paused. She started to laugh a little. And she tells me what happened. It was like, I want to say at night, but it was like in the early morning, like 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock-ish around that time I think it was around one o'clock in the morning but she told me that my grandmother had a heart attack um she woke up seemed fine had a heart attack or a stroke something like that and she didn't make it and when I found out that my grandmother who I prayed for for hours that I I recited these scripts I spoke in tongues you know I'm, you know, everything hit me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so many things went in my mind. 
Like, if, if nothing in life could have broke me from Christianity, it was that. Like, <laughs> and that's what death would do. You know what I'm saying? That's what death would do to some people to when it comes to breaking away from Christianity and religion. And when I tell you, you could ask anybody I went to school with. I was deep down in Christianity. I was a deep, fervent Christian boy. Could not tell me otherwise about Christ. I'm talking about studying his scripture every every day. I still have the book, the the Bible that I had uh, growing up from from middle school, high school, even now. I, I still have that book. It's it's all type of lines, little uh, notes here and there. When I tell you, I was a fervent Christian boy. Let me tell you. <laughs> so when I found out that even after all the praying I did, after reciting all the scriptures I did, when when the pastors tell me if you confess and if you believe and you fervently pray this, that, and the third, that God will make a way and God didn't make a way. That that hit me like a ton of rocks, yo. I could not I I don't know how I made it. <laughs> Think back on it. I don't know how I made it through the whole week in 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 high school. You know what I'm saying? The fake smiles, the fake laugh, and then going back home and crying my eyes out in my room. You know, thinking of ways that I could possibly get back my grandmother. Like I would, it was that bad. Like I would be having dreams uh, of trying to find ways to talk to my grandmother, trying to get her back. Having dreams about her walking back into her house from the hospital uh you know i had one dream it was on a mother's day you know uh my grandma told me oh you you gotten so big you know what i'm saying like just stuff like that used to hit me um but when i found out my grandmother died everything hit me young i wanted to rebel i i was on this app i forgot what the app was called but i i had a good amount of following on there and I, I went on a whole rant on a thread. I said, I prayed hours and hours. I testified your word. I confessed and did this and that and the third. And you couldn't come through for me for this one time. I was mad with God, yo. <laughs> I was mad with the God of the Bible. I said, I did this, that, and the third. I obeyed. I followed your law. I followed your commandments. I don't do this, that, and the third. I tell other people to do this. I have this platform. I have this ministry. I have life going good for myself. And you take my grandmother away from me? Yo, I was mad. I was <laughs> I was going off. People was trying to talk sense into me. I kind of calmed down. Maybe like a couple of days later, I had to apologize. People were like, it's understandable. We all go through it. So... But what, what ended up happening is that I lost the passion for ministry. When my grandmother died, my passion for ministry left too. And after my grand, when my grandmother died, whatever post that I had up, whatever the case is, my last post was something on creating a series. Never got to do the series. Um, but ironically, I had 365 vlogs up there. It was called Glog. It was, it was on Glogster. I had 365 vlogs. I had over 700,000 views on my page of, of people who, who saw my, my stuff and posts and, and audios and stuff. And that was my last post. I didn't have the passion to do ministry after what happened with my second grandmother. Um, 
and that was my freshman year in high school. So sophomore year came, and during the summer between junior uh, between freshman and sophomore year, I began to develop my own persona. I think that was the first time I began to develop my own persona because everything else was just about Jesus, being a Jesus freak, Jesus first. And, you know, when after that happened, I began to actually develop my own personality outside of Christ, outside of the Bible. And I began to become my own person. So I began to have my own swag. Women started to notice me. <laughs> you know, um, I started to get in shape, this, that, and the third. And I began to develop my own persona. I began to grow my platform on social media. I was on this app called You Now and met wonderful people like Quan Cook and, and King J and Tyrell and Maverick and, and all these other type of people. And if they ever come across this podcast, you know, shout out to them. Uh, and, what, and how that happened and how that ended with them. <laughs> That's another story for another day. But, you know, I, I ran into these particular people on You Now you know, have my own friend, uh, inner circle, you know, uh, and you know, things started going good for me in terms of building my own personality and persona. Now concerning Christ, it wasn't that, it wasn't that I, I put completely fell away from Christianity. You know what I'm saying? Cause I was still raised up in a Christian household, still going to church. So I was still trying to make sense of what happened. You know, and, and you know how, how Christians, they'd be like, well, you know, God wanted to bring another angel in in in, in heaven or wanted to, uh, what, there's this one reverend, I'll never forget, with my, my first grandmother that passed, uh, this old pastor talking about, God wanted to plant another, uh, another lily in his garden. That got me so mad because <laughs> you mean to tell me God was responsible for the, for the, uh, the sickness and disease that my grandmother went through. You know what I'm saying? It, that had me mad. But anyways, um, sophomore year, began to de develop my own persona. Junior year came, and I began to tap into consciousness. And I began to tap into being pro-black. Um, and this, you know, concerning my self-hatred and whatever the case is, that's a whole nother story for another day. But... Uh, growing up, I didn't particularly learn to love myself. I wasn't given leaders or, or examples of people to look up to, black people to look up to, that I could project upon or, or reflect who I am. You know, I, I, I didn't learn about Malcolm X. My parents never told me about Marcus Garvey. They never informed me about the Black Panther Party or, or Black Pride or Black Love or um, black excellence or black power. None of that. They never told me about any of that. Keep God first. That was it. <clears throat> keep family first and keep keep God first. Fa God first, family second, education third. That's that that's that's what I learned in my household. I had to learn outside of the box, outside of my household, about Malcolm X, about Marcus Garvey, about my own heritage and my roots and my history. So with that being said, I didn't I never learned to love what I saw in the mirror. You know, I would go to school and what my parents don't know is that, you know, white boys and white kids calling me monkeys and shit. You know? So when I looked in the mirror I saw a monkey and a gorilla. Uh, you know, 
which is ironic because white people were the ones that really look like monkeys and gorillas and they have the same hair texture and features as monkeys. But we'll, we'll deal with that for another time, for another day. <laughs> um, but, you know, there was a time where when my mother would comb through my hair, if it got too big, you know, I started getting a little froze. She's like, you, your hair getting nappy. And I always correlated my hair growing too big to it being nappy. So I always wanted to get a buzz cut or keep it short cut because I didn't want my hair to get too big. Because if it got too big, that means my hair would be nappy, you know, and which is, is, is sad. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's what a lot of black kids went through. I mean, you, you hear about these black women that had uh, perms growing up and stuff like that. Uh, and, and hair damage because of how how many times your hair would get permed and, and straightened and stuff like that. But anyways, um, so junior year I began to study and learn about consciousness. I think the end of sophomore year I really uh, began to develop to uh, grow my hair out. Uh, I started going to the barber shop and getting temp phase and stuff like that. So I began to grow my hair out. Uh, junior year I began to grow a little afro myself. Ooh, excuse me, began to grow a little afro. Um, this is when I began to, you know, get my mojo, you know, started talking to the women and stuff. Uh, and I began to learn about pro-blackness. I began to, to learn about who I was as a black person. All the white people who, who followed my page started unfollowing me. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, here I'll go talk about my whole life story. Uh, um, uh, We'll savor all that for another time for another day considering being pro-black and how I began to love myself. Um, but we're just going to strictly deal with the religious part, right? So, junior year, I began to learn about who I was as a black person. Senior year, I began to kind of enforce it and walk in it. Um, senior year was also the, around the time where I began to study and learn about Malcolm X. And I had a sense of closure with loving myself, you know, because his speech of who taught you to hate the color of your skin and the texture of your hair and the shape of your nose, who taught you to hate yourself, uh, who taught you to hate, hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, you know, and when I, when I learned that, when I heard who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and who taught you to hate your own kind so much so that you don't even want to be around them. You know, when I when I when I heard this in a speech, it just hit me. I had an epiphany. You know what I'm saying? My whole perspective on, on life and who I was and how I saw myself changed. Because I knew who taught me. <laughs> I, I knew who taught me how to who who the uh I knew who taught me how to hate myself. You know, I knew who taught me uh, what to hate when I saw myself in the mirror and, and what to hate about myself when I saw myself in the mirror you know all the all the people around me who was trying to call me monkey and gorilla and, and chimpanzee you know uh, people were saying that my skin is ugly or I had big lips people always want to make fun of my big lips and, and my big nose and my, my facial features and, and my cheekbones you know and when I learned and when I started studying Malcolm X and I got the book, The Message to the Black Man, 
my whole perspective on life changed. My whole perspective on life. So with learning about this, 2017, I officially gave up Christianity. The beginning of 2017, I officially gave up Christianity because I began to learn that Christianity was given to black people during slavery. So I went on a whole rant. <laughs> I rebelled. Second time, rebelled. And, you know, I was over here like, you know, uh, you know, how could we serve a God that was given to us during slavery? How could we uh, contribute our life to a book that was given to us during uh, slavery? That was my that was my argument. And, you know, I was telling my parents this. I, you know, I got this new information. I might as well tell them. Right. That backfired. <laughs> I don't know what what the hell I thought was going to happen. Me telling my parents and my mother and my father that Jesus isn't real. Okay, they've been raised up in the church all their life for 40, almost 40 something years, 50 something years. And I'm telling them that Jesus ain't real. And I've been living for what, 15, 16, 17 years, nigga. <laughs> Boy, I, I really thought I was doing something though. I ain't gonna front. I thought I was doing something. And man, my mother, she, she started getting some brain glitches here and there when I was trying to ask her these questions that she just couldn't answer for me. And I never forget. She just got, she just got fed up. Called my father. Yeah, your son said he don't believe in Jesus no more. He's saying, I was like, I didn't even say that. I'm asking questions, right? My father comes in, gives me like four to five different analogies on why I should contribute my life to the Bible. <laughs> Stuff is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? My 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 father is essentially was trying to tell me that the Bible is a manual book to live by, to live on this earth. You know, it was like a fan needs instructions on how to build a fan. You can't learn how to build a a, a bed without the instructions to build a bed. You can't learn how to uh, build a house without a blueprint. So you need the Bible because that's the blueprint in uh, the blueprint in which you can live life. You know, uh, <laughs> so. I went through that uh, senior year, began to walk in uh, being pro-black and so on and so forth. 2017, I officially gave up Christianity. Um, 2018, I was pro-black. 2019, um, and, and well, let me say this. I didn't really identify as quote-unquote pro-black uh, starting 2017. 2016, when I started getting into it, I wanted to identify with pro-black. Um, and I still associated individually with being pro-black so i guess you could say i was still pro-black but generally and publicly uh public can't even say the word pub publicly there we go publicly <laughs> publicly i didn't identify with being pro-black because of how people would say you could be pro-black and uh still do this and that in the third with white people you can still date white people marry white people have kids with white people and be pro-black uh you could be pro-black and, and still support lgbt you could be pro-black and do this that, and the third so i was like y'all can keep the word then <laughs> y'all can keep the word um but i still individually associate myself with being pro-black um from 2017 going on 2019 when 2019 hit and for people who've been following me for a while I got into it with this man named Brother Hassan. Uh, I won't get into that whole scenario. <laughs> but I got into it with Brother Hassan. Uh, everything went downhill from there on being pro-black. Because I really saw it for what it was. Um, 
you know, all these sets of people that just enjoy drama and are childish and immature um, and can't hold uh, a person over 35 responsible to his actions and trying to accuse me of something that he can't even prove uh, of somehow me taking down his page, whatever the case is. Anyways, um, <laughs> I took a break from Instagram for probably about a good month. Started talking with this one Hebrew uh, Israelite man, uh, this black man, and he started to inform me on certain aspects of uh, being a Hebrew. He was like, that brother was in the wrong. Uh, you know, uh, a brother is supposed to sharpen iron as iron sharpens iron as a brother sharpens his own brother. Uh, all this type of stuff that he started to inform me on, on how we're the true Israelites and, uh, you know, in, in the history with West Africans and we were brought over here in ships, all that type of stuff, right? And I was thinking, I was like, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Uh, before that, like late 2018, going into 2019, I started to take another look at the Bible because, like I said, back in 2017, I gave up the Bible. Thought everything that the Bible had to say for the most part was some BS. Uh, I took another look at the Bible and I started studying the metaphysics of the Bible. And I began to see that there's a lot of information in the Bible that a lot of people don't see. So I began to study it a little bit more. When I took that break from uh, Instagram, I started really studying it, uh, studying it a little bit more. Came back as a Hebrew. And then my name went from being Olo Rune to uh, Risen.Wale um, and I was Risen.Wale for a, uh, almost a year uh, I changed it in somewhere around January uh, like late January, early February of 2021 became the Omnius Rome now the reason why I transitioned from being Risen.Wale to the Omnius Rome is because when I was a Hebrew I I led on to being a Hebrew because I depended upon my platform and people who were in my inner circle, who I thought were in my inner circle, for peace and love and security, right? And when that went away, I broke down, right? But then I, I sustained myself in this concept of the Most High. Uh, like The only person I need to concern myself with, with who cares about me, is the Most High. The only person who I care about in terms of fear and, and peace and in a, in a form of serenity is the most high. <laughs> so when I went on that particular stage, I was like, I'm, I, can, I can let loose. I can let loose. I don't have to worry about what anybody has to say. I don't have to care about people leaving my, my inner circle because I have the most high. So that happened for a good, what, from March of 2020 uh, or 2019, excuse me. From March 2019 going all the way to January 2020. Now, when I started to build my platform with being a Hebrew, and I was a Hebrew, no Israelite. I always made that known. I wasn't a Hebrew Israelite. I was a Hebrew, no Israelite. <laughs> um, when I started to develop my platform, I wanted to speak in a way that the Hebrew Israelites would, capt would be captivated by it, right? So I would make my, my captions in ways in which they can share it, repost it, like it, put it on their platform and stuff. So that eventually, as they begin to follow me and as my followers begin to grow, I can instill and put in my message that I really want to give to them. 
you know, um, and it's, it was a bit harder than how you would see in the Bible where Jesus had to speak in parables to try and get his message across. And even people then didn't understood, uh, didn't understand the, the parables that he would be given. But anyways, um, eventually going into like August, September, October, I began to talk about metaphysics. I began to talk about how, okay, there isn't really a 12 tribes of Israel. Those are actually the 12 zodiac signs. Okay, there isn't really a son of God. Uh, the son of God is actually when we're dealing with in the sun and, and dealing with astrology. Jesus being the son of God and the 12 disciples represents the 12 zodiac signs uh, that the sun goes through, the cycles that the sun go through, goes through. Uh, 12 disciples, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 zodiac signs, there are 12 months in a year. You know, and within these 12, uh, 12 months, there are three seasons. You know what I'm saying? Each, uh, or four seasons, four seasons, uh, per three months. You know, so you have spring, eat, uh, spring, summer, fall, winter, and you see this all shown in the Bible. Uh, from Jesus' birth to de Jesus' death to Jesus' resurrection to Jesus' ascension. You know, um, and so all this is coordinated in the seasons. Um, and all this is coordinated as above, so below, as within, so without. So you see this all in the Bible. So I began to talk about this, and, and the Hebrews thought it was just blasphemous. And you you being led astray, you're dealing with that new age stuff, and you need to abide by the law, statutes, and commandments, and, and you going off. you going off, brother, all this type of stuff, right? I had Hebrews trying to debate with me back and forth when I said that the Bible isn't to be taken literally. It's, it's meant to be taken allegorically. You know, and <laughs> all this stuff, right? All this stuff, these Hebrews trying to debate with me in my DMs, uh, Hebrews trying to debate with me on live streams and stuff like that. So as I kept debating with these Hebrews, as I kept debating with these Hebrews in my DMs and in my comment section, I was like, dang, I don't think there's any saving for these Negroes. <laughs> because I wanted to use my platform to try and reach out to you know, a good amount of Hebrews to wake them up, to help them realize that the Bible isn't talking about something that's to come. It's something that's already within you. You know, the enlightenment, you have to tap into your higher self in order to receive that enlightenment and, and receive Christ consciousness. The, 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 the kingdom of God tells you even in the New Testament, it's not to come, it's not here or there. You know, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is within you. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be applied unto you. Where where are you supposed to seek? You're supposed to seek within yourself. If the kingdom of God is within you, and he tells you to seek ye first, seek first the kingdom of God, he's telling you to know thyself. The only way you can seek the kingdom of God and seek that which is within is to know thyself. He tells people this, but people just look over this as if he's talking about something that's that's external, something that's materialistic, that's mundane, something that's to come, something that come and goes, you know? And when I begin to understand that people just aren't understanding this concept, I see why Jesus left, even <laughs> even mythologically in the Bible. This man ain't, ain't going to deal with these Negroes no more. So, you know, I was like, dang, like, I don't think there's, there's, there's no hope for these Negroes, you know what I'm saying? So... 
I never forget I went to this uh, lecture and it was the spokesperson it was this uh, this philosophy lecture uh, this Indian woman was speaking um, in this philosophy class and it was this big big classroom and I was sitting probably like in the middle because that's the only seat that I could that I could find at the time sitting in the middle and this Indian woman was was talking about her times in India, so talking about Gandhi, this, that, and the third. And each and like here and there, she'll she'll lay down something that's like spiritual, something that's metaphysical, whatever the case is. And she said she uh, she said something that sparked my mind. She said she said something that could may have been the possibility of the birth of the ominous Rome. If it wasn't for me going to that philosophy classroom, I may have not been the ominous Rome. Because as soon as I heard this, I did my full research. You know what I'm saying? And I came to the conclusion of omniism. She 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 was talking to all of us. There was probably at least probably like two hundred students uh students there, if even that. Um and she says something she said that the Vedas says that the truth is one, but wise men call it by many names. And that just hit me. I, like I gained an epiphany like, wow, I never heard that before. The truth is one, but wise men call it by many names. Like that's just amazing. I never heard that before. So I went home, went to my dorm, started studying the, the Vedas. The truth is one, but wise men call it by many names. Started studying Brahma and Atman and, and all this other type of stuff. Shiva. And in Kali and this that, and the third started studying the the doctrine behind the truth is one but wise men call it by many names, and I came to the conclusion of omniism. Um, started studying neti neti neither this nor that, uh, the divine is neither the, ne- uh, neither this nor that. Started studying the universe and how everything that is in alignment is vibrating on the same frequency on the same tune. So you're dealing with harmony. You know, the universe is one tune, one voice, one song, one truth. So when you're dealing with the, the truth, the truth is one, but it's expressed in many different ways. It's told in many different forms and versions. You know, there is no one way to express truth because truth is so complex. It's, it's, there's no way to, to give it a name. There's no way to put it in a box. There's no way to limit truth. Just like you can't limit supreme consciousness. You can't give God a name. You can call him Allah, Yahweh. You can call him whatever name, El. You know, you can give God or the the supreme essence or the supreme consciousness, whatever type of name, but you can't limit consciousness. You can't give it a name. You can't give it a face. You can't give it a form because it expresses itself in more ways than one. You know, and we are the very vessels of supreme consciousness. You never meet somebody that has the same personality as another. We're all different and we are all unique in our own way. And that's how supreme consciousness is. When you look at genres of music, there are so many genres of music. There are so many colors uh, in the rainbow that we may not even see. But there are many different colors in the rainbow. There are many different uh, forms of fashion. Many different ways that people speak, many different languages, many different letters, many different doctrines, many different numbers. If you have all these forms of curriculums and, and criterias and scenarios within all different types of uh, 
things that that go from the type of foods all the way to the type of games all the way to the type of ways that you want to live your life then that have that has to also apply to God and in the way that you want to live your life individually as well so I came to the conclusion of being the omnius Rome I came to the conclusion that truth is one but told in many different ways and that I can't contribute my life to just being a Hebrew I can't call myself a Hebrew after knowing this truth because the truth is told in many different ways it would it would be foolish of me to just contribute myself to just one one way of seeing of, of seeing something you know what I'm saying that's not to discredit anybody who calls themselves Muslims or Christians or Jews or uh, Buddhists or Hinduists or whatever the case is but for me I am a scholar the word scholar means student I am somebody that is forever learning and for me being a student and somebody that is forever learning I can't contribute my life to just one curriculum or one major I have to study all forms of truth so with that being said me being the omnis Rome. I'm not somebody that contributes my life to just one way of seeing things or another way. I can't just say I love being a Christian or I love being a Hinduist or whatever the case is. I study all forms of truth, however it's told. I study the many expressions of truth. And I utilize the principles that I learn within different sorts of spiritualities. And I use that to contribute to my life I use the principles that I learned from other spiritual systems and other faiths and other other systems uh, and, and I utilize that to my life to the to the best of my ability so if I learn from the Hinduists to do good unto others as you would have them do unto you you know I'm gonna take that the you know the, the Taoists if they say go with the flow of life and when you experience you know negative feelings you know you're not supposed to ignore the feelings but you're not supposed to let them control you as well I utilize that principle and I contribute that to my life if I hear from the Christians to love your neighbor as thyself I will take that and I will utilize that for my life you know so with all that being said I became the omnius Rome in in the way in in the aspect of me being a forever student of truth you know, learning mythology, learning about philosophy and, and so many things concerning metaphysics. So 2020 was the birth of the Omnius Rome. And that is the brand that I'm going to push until the day that I transcend. You know, and that's how I became the Omnius Rome. That's how I became Omniist. <laughs> um, and, and just learning and continuing to learn that you don't even have to contribute your life to one way of seeing things or one particular form of spirituality. You can create your own spirituality because you are supreme consciousness in a body. So who's to say that you can't even create your own religion for your life and give it a name? Because that's what everybody else did. You know, who's to say that you can't create your own lifestyle? Who's to say that you can't live how you want to live? You know, as long as it doesn't disrupt, you know, the balance of things in life. Because everything has a consequence. People may think that, you know, they can do whatever they want. They don't have to contribute their life to a certain principle in life. But everything has a cause and effect. You know, 
you you do have to have chaos in in your life some way somehow but that doesn't mean that you act reckless but anyways i became the omnius rome and from 2020 up until now i've been growing my platform and people have been uh sending me all types of appreciation and love uh with everything that i've been doing everything that i've done uh concerning the content that i've made from 2020 up until now and I, I greatly appreciate the people who support me in the platform that I make and the things that I do uh, for the people who support me and in in, in so on and so forth, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's the story. <laughs> I, I I know I said in the beginning I didn't want to make this very long, but I had to I had to give y'all some context. <laughs> I had to give y'all some context on the basis and scenario of who I am. And how I became who I am concerning being the Omnius Roan. So now being the Omnius Roan, I don't look at things in in one way or another way. I'm I'm open minded to where I can see different angles of of things. You know, I'm willing to be open minded to learn other perspectives in life and think on it and brainstorm on it. So that's the basis here. That's how I became the Omnius Roan. And that's my story. <laughs> that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right, but uh, until next time, I'm Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I know it was pretty long, so if you got through this whole podcast episode in one day, you know, congrats to you. All right, <laughs> but uh, but until next time, I'm Toronto. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you like what I had to say, let me know. You can DM me. Uh, you can. Uh, message me on Twitter. You can hit me up on YouTube, whatever the case is. But you can especially DM me and let me know um, how you feel about this podcast episode. If you can relate to this, um, if you empathize with it, if you if it inspired you to think outside the box, if my content in the past, you know, help you become something better, you know, that's what we're here for: self improvement. You know. Um, but let me know, you know what I'm saying? Share this podcast with other people. Um, just inform them, giving them a caution that it's a very long podcast. Because <laughs> uh, I did talk about my life story for some particular reason. I just felt like the need to, you know, put my background, a uh, little info to give you a perspective of, of where I'm coming from. But until next time, I'm Tyrone. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. Uh, like I said, share this podcast with other people. Make sure that you follow my podcast, all right, on Spotify or, or whatever particular platform you're listening to this so that you can be updated and notified when I post another episode. Until next time, I'm Tyrone. Thank you again for listening to this podcast episode. And I am out.